0: Welcome to Let's Talk About Treks, an episodic review of today's visions of the future featuring Earl Grey and Jack Dorino. I got a terrible feeling about this, and so did Jack and Earl after learning virtually nothing about the title of the ninth episode of Star Trek Discovery's second season, Project Deathless. So we're back We are back. take six or take seven, I think, of this show, which <laughs> I guess we don't have to talk about uh, to discuss. They're not going to know. They Well, I just told them, I think, but we're discussing today uh, Star Trek Discovery. Season two, episode, uh, yes, it is. That's the one it is, production Project number 209. Adolescent. Project list it is indeed. It's the 757th episode of uh, all 801 episodes of Star Trek, at least at the time of this recording, which is January 27th, uh, 2021. Which is the, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's the seventh day of the uh of the trump Oh that woof ooh excuse me ooh, Whoa. Dang, dang, dang. So, dang. <laughs> so here's I'm not my
1: cyanide do. capsule
0: i am not gonna go back and re-record this again but <laughs> with with my deepest and sincerest apologies to joseph Robinette biden it is the seventh day of the biden presidency only seven
1: well, I guess it, it is the first Wednesday after last it, Wednesday, isn't it?
0: Though, yeah, yeah. So it is. It is day it's day seven, or is it day eight? Am I am I a day? I late? guess it would
1: be technically day eight because it's first. Well,
0: oh, day but that seven was a half, a half day. Half. Yeah, I don't count the half day. So here we are, day Well, eight. that would have been so. the twentieth. So.
1: These people chipped me. They left the gym as soon as I got into the battle.
0: I I should have kept talking about Project Daedal- Daedalus, um, instead yes. of drifting off to something else. So, uh, but listen, uh, the, there's there's one thing about this episode that I really appreciate and have to call out, and that is that it's directed by Jonathan Frakes. Everybody loves a Frakes yes. episode. Well, I mean, yes. I love a Frakes episode.
1: Yeah, those are some of my favorite when <laughs> when TNG actors re- direct something. <sighs> I can't remember too many of. LeVar Burton's, but I know he has done some.
0: Yeah, he has, yes, yeah, yeah.
1: And has Brent Spiner ever done any?
0: I can't say that I specifically remember him doing it. I don't, I don't recall specifically. Okay. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, I'm always going to love a freaks because I know in a freaks I'm going to get a little, little bit dizzy.
1: A little dizzy?
0: Yeah, I'm always going to, because he, he loves to to go up in corners and flip the camera around and we like spin around <laughs> in circles and you know, go all around the ship or jump all around people when there's a fight. Like, yeah, that's a, that's a freaks episode. He loves to, he loves to spin around in circles and shit. Uh, oh, okay. ooh, I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. Can I say that word on this show? Are we a family show?
1: Uh, no, fuck no.
0: Oh no. <laughs> well, that, I guess <laughs> that, that barrier is, the barrier is broken. <laughs> Okay, well, I guess we're not. All right. Um,
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> with that, uh, we can talk about this. So the, the, during this episode. Are you
1: a family man? I'm not a family man.
0: Uh, I am family. So says my therapist. My, whenever anybody came new into the office that was that was gay, and he wanted them to, like, do a quick intake with me and say, like, make sure you take care of them. They're family. And I'd be, like, so embarrassed to be family at that point. But, Whatever, it's the therapist's <laughs> office. <laughs> Where it should be. <laughs> so, episode 9 of the second season is when the Discovery crew in- infiltrates uh, Section 31's headquarters. So- and suspicions arise that the crew may have a traitor in their midst. Burden tries to help Spock, but her efforts don't go as planned. This is, a re- this is a really great episode. But what were you about to say? Because I did cut you off.
1: Well, what do you suppose Project Daedalus
0: is? You know what it is? Like, this whole episode was predicated by, like... I, I, this episode, this episode title blew me away after I realized what the episode title was because the whole episode, I'm like wondering, like, what is Project Daedalus? Like, when is someone gonna, what is Project, what is this about? What is, what is it? Like, what, the whole time, I'm like, wait, is it this? Is it that? Like, is that what you're talking about? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Cause I had that since the whole episode. And then when I realized coldly what it was, I, I, well, that's the thing. Like, when you get to the end of it, you never realize what it is, but you, are very cold, at least for me. I was very cold because it was just like the thing happened, and I was like, "Oh!" And then she said, "Oh!" And oh, I guess we don't. Oh, so sad. Does it make any sense? You know what I'm talking about?
1: I don't know. All right, so of what so I I'm gonna have
0: to fast forward uh, through the episode a bit. Not you know in my head. And there is a scene that should be like the last right. moment. I I feel like it should have been the last moments of the episode, but it it kind of wasn't. But it was still okay. Um is when okay. they are on um what is the station they're on? They're on the Section Thirty one station, right? The the prison place that's mined somehow, which is they're doing all kinds of illegal shit in Section thirty one and they don't give a, they don't care whether you know or not. So uh, there's Arium and there's cool ass non and there's Burnham and they're all like roving this dead station of Section Thirty-One with like bodies floating around in the air that they don't like see it first because they're way up high.
1: Oh, is this the episode Man. where uh, there's a major death in the crew? <laughs>
0: what,
1: uh, I mean, can, I can I guess I can spoil it because we're talking about
0: it, right? Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I'm fa- fast forwarded because I'm uh, you know in my head because this is the moment that like the whole episode is built on, and it's like control is about to take over, and I don't. I'm like, surely Burnham's gonna like push that button and shoot her into space but she's not going to shoot her into space because like there's got to be some sort of solution to it and i was thinking like why didn't she like push that button to vent the airlock and then they catch in a transporter beam and just like hold her in the buffer
1: this is michael burnham's uh kobayashi maru
0: Oh gosh. Oh wow. Oh shots fired. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> shots fired. Yeah, that was uh wow, Across the bow of my whole intellect because that's amazing. That's incredible. Like that is Oh, Shun's 11. Wow, you did that one. You did that one for sure. Um <laughs> if your if your bingo card today included the Kobayashi Miru, you're basic. <laughs> so, we're going to maybe Put that back and get a different bingo card. Get it come harder than that. Wait, what? That is very true. But she totally cheated. Someone cheated for her. I don't even know what to say. Well, so
1: Oh, cause Eris did it for her she did it on
2: her own.
0: Yeah. Like that is super interesting. And I don't even know. Like, I think my mind is blown at this moment. And I don't really know. <laughs> what in the world like why didn't i notice that at all out of curiosity have we discussed the kobayashi Maru in the new like age of star trek have we, have, like have has that been touched on
1: are you talking about the jj like, verse or ever
0: since no ever since the jj verse so like in the picard and the you know the new the new era the the alex kurtzman era for those of you who are new, trackies, the Kobayashi Maru scenario was an infamous no-win scenario that was part of the curriculum for the command track cadets that start for the, the uh, Academy. Whoa, in the twenty-third century. Uh, they use it to assess a cadets' discipline, character, and command capabilities when facing an impossible situation because there is no legitimate strategy that will result in a successful outcome. Like so, Kirk's Kobayashi Maru was something along the lines of he had to choose what was it? He he was supposed to go. he was supposed to let some people die well, in order to just, save it, his it's own the ship. Same
1: scenario every time.
0: <sighs> the the cadets in command of a starship, They'll... and the ship receives a distress call from a civilian freighter called the Kobayashi Maru that's within yes. like the neutral zone and they've drifted the, into the just the, the, the freighter's like heavily disabled but the the cadet ship is the only one in range so you got to either choose to pull away to not do the rescue mission or like enter the neutral zone and risk starting a risk starting a war or whatever so uh and then it's the ship's on. like in a face off with like some some Klingon battle cruisers or whatever so you got to choose like so, what the hell to do and there's no way to win the situation because like if you just yeah Leave then you just left all those people. You know this
1: just occurred to me. How far before Kirk's command was this? W- was season one and two of Discovery?
0: Are you suggesting that this is from what the Kobayashi Maru was built? Was there Kobayashi, yeah, Kobayashi Maru God. in Enterprise?
1: Not to um, my knowledge.
0: Okay. Um, I don't know how closely but, I still don't really understand. Like you seem to be more well, Enterprise leaning than I certainly.
1: What I'm what I'm getting at is. With the Klingon War, if if Kirk was young enough during season one, they could have literally used an event from the Klingon War because the Klingons are involved in the in, in the Cobra Jet
0: Surely, this, surely, they
1: could have taken something from real life and uh, presented it. Just to pre- started presenting it to all cadets, and when they realized that cadets needed to go through this and learn this.
0: Holy geez, I wonder Spirit. if they were looking for a particular outcome, like I wonder, because I could imagine them putting this test before, uh, a, uh, you know, a class of cadets that comes like slightly after the Klingon War to see like, okay, so we need like, we are, our, our fleet is heavily damaged, and we need to make, like, make sure we're conserving our material, right? So mm-hmm. let's uh, see which way these cadets are going to go, because we want the cadets to save our equipment. <laughs> You know, so we have to make sure that we're getting the captains who are going to save our equipment. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, so I wonder if they meant if they meant to to root out the cadets who would go in and like risk their own ship over letting the civilians die.
1: In modern military situations, aren't civilians a higher priority than
0: sure, 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 personnel? sure, sure, sure? Yeah, absolutely. But what what at this point? in the timeline is the core of the federation like what's the heart of the federation for real like sometimes change it sometimes it's like crueler than at other times you know because of whatever events like the stuff that happened in the bajoran sector was like kind of rough right and it was they were kind of like snatch grabby because they were immediately like as soon as the cardassians left they did kind of like flow in and be like oh we'll take this you know like mine <laughs> yeah and I they, peed on
1: it. it's mine now
0: maybe they're more concerned sometimes about their you know keeping their equipment and making sure that they're ready for action and could do things then about you know saving four or five civilians that shouldn't have been in the neutral zone in the first place you see what i'm saying like
1: well they weren't in the neutral zone in the first place they drifted there because of the damage to their ship
0: right but they were in the neutral zone
1: and we don't know how big the crew was it could have been a crew of 100
0: sure i'm just giving one example But. I'm just no. I'm okay. giving. An, I'm. A, I'm giving an example to back up my idea okay. that maybe Starfleet's heart was a little different. Like maybe, like, because I could see them being like, okay, yeah, why are you going to risk a war over like these few? Because they've they've made decisions like that before. Like where they've left people, as opposed to fighting for them. You know what I'm saying, Bajor
1: Well, I mean, from a certain perspective.
0: And then when they when they and then they ceded some territory again during the Dominion Wars, like they've kind of I mean, like let people out to dry sometimes they're like with what heart, heart are they grading this test
2: well
1: we we don't know that's that's what um, I'm getting at we've never at. explored that
0: there's times with the whole ebb and flow of the Federation of, the, of Starfleet changes where like they have abundance and then they have scarcity right and they kind of as a body act differently in those different times so at some times they might be looking for a particular you know one particular outcome from their kobe astro candidates and then in another time they might be looking for a completely different one you see what i'm saying
1: i don't think that they're generally generally looking for a specific outcome they just want to know how this person is going to handle it
0: why why would they want to know that
1: just to know if this person would would be able to be a good commander in the first place. Or the other thing is, if they break down because they've, you know, lost their whole crew, or because they sacrifice the Kobayashi Maru because they can't handle the hard decisions, okay. then they're not going to be a good commander okay. or captain. It.
0: So they just have to make a decision, is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. They have to be able to make a decision in the middle of an unwinnable scenario.
0: Oh, but I'm going to posit that, yes, that is true at times, but I'm also going to posit that it's possible that at different times they might be looking for a particular answer. Like right after the burn, I think that it might be looking for someone to either save the people or, you know, stay out of the way. Like they might be looking for a particular outcome for a reason. You know what I mean?
1: So, so there might be a slight bias, bias towards people that would um, choose uh, one or the other.
0: So we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come right back right after this, hold on. So that was a, that was a good little break. I did enjoy um, <laughs> talking about the uh, the Ashi although I do realize it doesn't like really direct, directly really well it does directly relate that's like it's kind of why I brought it up because you kind of blew my mind when you related it to- <laughs> I really do appreciate that but you know I think that like it's a it's a topic that I think sh- could interest all uh you know generations of Trek fans but I don't I, I don't know that uh I think most generations of track fans except for the newest uh generation probably know uh what the kobayashi miru is so i so i think that we, we may have uh we just may, may have done the neighborhood a good service by introducing some concepts <laughs> that are valuable to the uh to the core of the fandom yeah Wouldn't you say? we yeah. do we do good work not to, pat, not to pat ourselves on the back but to pat ourselves on the back
1: okay well I'll pat you on the back and you pat me on the back.
0: I gotcha, I gotcha, it's double pat, we'll do a double virtual pat. Um, So another thing about this episode is that it's written by uh, Michelle Paradise. Um, It is is in no better hands, Star Trek Discovery is in no better hands than in the hands of Michelle Paradise with Jonathan Frakes and, um, uh, uh, what is her name, overseeing? the author whose name I can't pull out of my head right now. For some reason, I keep thinking Christy Golden. Because like, now I actually remember that Christy Golden, along with uh, what's her name again? I'm going to say once more. Really paradise? Uh, the, no, no, no. The one who did the um, Voyager novels. Um, oh,
1: Jerry Taylor?
0: N- no, although she did do that good. Uh, it was that first, like Janeway, like All About Janeway novel. You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what it was pathways really, yeah, that was the one yes yes yeah and it's all about how Jane Janeway got to um be Captain Jane Janeway so I think I'm talking about Kristen Beyer
1: oh okay yeah
0: so like Chris Kristen Beyer doing the storytelling Jonathan Frakes doing the you know making what you see and then uh Michelle Paradise doing the story that's like a, that's a great um that's a great that's a great discovery in a nutshell I think that's it's pretty good uh way to move forward with this uh this series
1: okay so there's something that's always kind of blown my mind well sort of uh-huh. is how is lieutenant aris possible are you talking all? about arium arium that's yeah, what i said so
0: yeah so the episode <laughs> actually tells the story of arium and this is a thing that really annoyed me about the episode tbh was that um, they, I always wanted to know about this robotic thing, this robotic lady that was over in the back of the bridge, right? I wanted to know uh, since, like, episode one, right? Um, yeah. Well, episode three, I guess, technically, because episode one had a different one that had, like, a com- whole like, computer-ass-shaped head, like he was BMO. Okay. But, um, once we got to the actual discovery, Arium was there, right? So, uh, of course, I was curious about this robotic lady in the back because we don't have any, like, androids like that in Starfleet until data comes along. Right. So I was very curious. And then in this episode, they start unrolling the story of Arium, Um, if I'm not mistaken, towards. So uh, I think it's like right at the beginning of act one, right? When we come back from the and all the like all the stuff, right? (laughs) So so Arium's like reviewing some memory files um, and the memory files she is reviewing show her. And now see, so here's the thing that catches me about this is that in her memory file, we're seeing her. So how is that possible if we're seeing her memory, right? So we should be seeing out from her eyes. Yeah. Any case, so that not standing. So we're seeing her her memory files and in her memory files is like the, it's uh, her, uh, you know, uh, pre-cybernetic augmentation.
2: Uh, Mm -hmm. walking on a
0: beach with, like, her husband, whose name, by the way, is Steven. And then she reviews her memories from aboard this ship, and she deletes, like, some random stuff, and that's when, like, she's reviewing one. I really did, like, I liked them bringing in the whole, like, uh, sister brotherhood of uh, everybody in the mess hall, like Tilly and Detmer and uh, Ogilsocken. Um, Yeah. I I did quite enjoy that scene, giving those people a little bit more depth. Uh so the story that the they basically tell in the you know scenes where we're where we're reviewing memories is that uh Arium was going on i think like her honeymoon
2: mm-hmm.
0: and they were in a shuttle and the shuttle crashed and in order to save her life they had to cybernetically augment her
1: yeah but how how does starfleet have this technology
0: at all, they have cybernetic. I mean, they have Jordan the Forge. He has a cybernetic. Yeah, but he's not
1: augmented this much. That we know, I know, right? And why is her skin like literally white, not Caucasian white, but is
0: her skin white
1: from under her eyes, her whole nose, her whole
0: chin? Yeah, that is true. Like the that whole are... area is mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is
1: her, her bare skin.
0: I don't know that that's her bare. I don't know that that's meant to be her bare skin. So I'm pulling up a picture of her, and I think that uh, it's my firm belief that on her face we don't see her skin. Like that's none of that is her skin. Although I guess it has to be because you can see her eyelids.
1: Yeah, and
0: Hmm.
1: I mean it might be. It's certainly the actress's skin. They probably wanted her to be able to emote with her mouth. Sure, sure, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bit there on the chin is not, but I mean it's not reflective the same as the other so material on her face.
0: Could it be that she is wearing makeup to complement her augmentations, like inten- like as a person, as a character? Like, do you think that character well, is wearing makeup plausible. that would be appropriate to her? Because it wouldn't make sense if she had like some red ass lips, right, and some some being some like uh, rosy cheeks, right? But like maybe she's wearing <laughs> complementary tones. I don't know, like, cause that's got to be her nose, right? Like, that's a good point. Like, I, I think that I, I thought that all of that was meant to be like cybernetic stuff, but yeah, now that you, mentioned I mean, down it, the
1: side of her nose is some sort of wiring or something, but
0: maybe the whole outside of her head was replaced, and maybe the mouth part is actually not skin. Um, maybe it's just as pliant as skin because it needs to be, but maybe she has no skin there, and they've covered it with something that has like that sort of pallor to it. Cause I don't, I really don't think that that is, yeah, I really can't imagine that any of that is, it's still in that natural skin, you know,
1: if that's how you want to imagine it, but I just, I'm, I'm, I, I hear what you're saying. I get what you're Mm -hmm. saying,
0: but Mm -hmm. it doesn't. I know. I know. I really like, so because of the fact that I've decided to just uh, like, I love and appreciate Dark it. discovery. It's hard for yeah. me like not not like just gloss these things over but I do see it like it is a thing like there is it's a, it's a good question and and it, it, it's kind of a cop out to avoid having to answer those questions by just like drawing a lot of interest in the character and then get rid, getting rid of them.
1: Killing her off, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, but they certainly did that. Like, they certainly did it on purpose. And I certainly realized, like, a little bit of the way through, I was like, why are we learning so much about Aryan? I was really excited that we were, but I was like, why is this yeah. happening? Because they never do anything for no reason.
1: <laughs> Well, yeah, and it was purely for the fact that so we could start to care about the character just so that we cry when she dies off. Oh my god,
0: but they did it. Like, they did it. Like, <laughs> they totally won. Okay, it, so it's, it's like, I'm not crying. You're crying. Leave me alone. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's <laughs> like...
1: Um, giving, giving the main protagonist in a Western or something, a, a dog that's faithful and follows oh, in there. No, like, like, did you see, Oh, what was it? Uh, what was it called? Open range I with, did. uh, Kevin Costner and they introduced this dog and I'm like, the dog's totally going to die, you know? And sure enough the dog died they introduced the dog just so that you can and see how happy the kid is with it and how good a dogo it is and then it, they just kill it off it's like no and i, I think they got you into her character just so you're like no
0: yes so that's exactly <laughs> what they did um
1: <laughs> she's the dogo
0: I, I wonder if they couldn't, like, figure their way around it. Now, let me tell... <laughs> let's tell the story of the actor playing Arium, shall okay. we?
2: Okay, yeah.
0: So, originally, there was... Uh, first, it was Sarah middich right? Who was playing Arium, right? Okay. So, Sarah Midich plays Arium in all of Season 1 of Star Trek Discovery. And then, suddenly, in Episode 1 of Season 2 of this season, Arium shows up and Arium has a different face now i noticed this immediately um i actually said something on twitter about it that was quite rude because i think for some reason i felt like there was a far i don't know theres is a different shape to the faces of the two people playing Arium. okay um so i just noticed immediately and you know made a comment about it and then somebody lashed out at me and was like no that's a no, that's this this woman. And I was like, oh, crap. Oh, sorry. I, so I didn't really know what to say, but I could tell immediately that it was a different person. I didn't understand why they were doing that. Well, yeah, similarly to the episodes in season one where we see Volk, right?
2: Mm-hmm. And
0: then the episode where we last see Volk is the episode before the <clears throat> first time we see Lucinda Nash Tyler. Okay. So they do this sort of like same thing again, although this time they didn't use the same actor because they changed the actress from Sarah Midditch to hannah chaseman
2: okay and
0: so hannah chaseman in this in this season has been playing arium and we don't see uh sarah medich back until uh, when arium is gone and her replacement walks in that is the actress who was playing arium in the previous season lieutenant okay. Nilsson now <clears throat> so i'm assuming there's some sort of contractual thing that caused that to happen Hmm but it's very curious that it would even happen. And how did they get the other actress to sign up to play this character for just a few episodes? And yeah. how did they like, not, I don't know, it was really wild. Like she was, I don't know, this, it's just, well, I just think it's a, whole, a thing. maybe they're more
1: of an unknown because they're, obviously their whole face is covered up.
0: Sure, what yeah. I,
1: Well, what I want to know is if they matched the size. Of, I mean, this this actress's nose that is playing Arium in season two her nose is huge is it like yeah it's really wide
0: like in like comparatively
1: yeah it's a big nose
0: <laughs> okay uh so i'm which is not a bad I, thing of course we no, still, no, i just no. want to point I, out like, yeah i just want to make sure no, that we're not, I'm not that we're saying not saying it's a bad thing yeah, 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 or yeah, that it, yeah. it makes her oh i see what you're saying so like so like we're talking about like in the project just uh, deadless yeah yeah it is very cute like right like it's <laughs> I don't want to sit here and talk about someone's house for a while, but it is very, it is very different than Arium's form the first season.
1: Yeah. Oh, it is?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's very different. So that
1: would be the first thing to me that I think that I would
0: notice. Now I'm looking at, uh, I'm actually looking at a picture of uh, Sarah Midich and Arium from season three. I mean, they look like they could be the same actress. Hmm. Oh, no. Okay. So the yeah I see the differences so the so the so the the mouth is different like the lip shape is different okay um and yeah now I see the no, the nose difference and yeah okay so I see how they're different but I see how that they I see I could see how the producers would think that they would look the same they don't look the same but they <laughs> I could see I could see the features that would make them believe that they would look the same but under the makeup they look very different like they look very different okay but i so I'm always excited to see Nilsson for some reason but I always do still wonder what happened to our little friend, um, Hannah, like poor Hannah Cheeseman.
1: Okay. Well, maybe she was, uh, somebody who was a little bit less known and she was only hired as a bit player uh
0: so this is another thing about watching uh the ready room the hey nerds show is was what i like to call it i you know I, I really do uh earl think that uh you could you could watch that you could stand to watch that show so when we go through our watch of um i might when we go through our watch of uh season three do you want to watch the hey nerds show also the ready room yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. i call it the hey, like every the beginning of every episode
1: oh hey nerd i thought yeah, you were saying really, something
0: else he opens with hey nerds so that okay. for me is the uh it's show. So
1: here's the other another question yeah, who's question. I mean there's like three characters okay, that are yeah. cyber magnetically augmented on this show they just in the scene that I'm watching right now they pan over to the other lady with the fork on the side of her head
0: oh yeah Kayla Detmer yeah yeah so the, I don't know exactly what that is about but it does have something to do with her ear and I can't tell you any more than that and I shouldn't have even told you that to tell you the truth okay but that happened so that happened in the Battle of the Binary Stars Okay. She was at the helm of the Shinjo.
1: Uh-huh.
0: And some bunch of stuff happened, and she got her head banged up. Oh, okay. Um, and, of course, it's... Of course, it's... Uh, what's her name's fault? Michael Burnham. I mean, Michael Burnham. Burnham. That's okay. the
1: one. Yeah. And then... The security lady that show, shows up during this season.
0: Non. The bar's end. Correct. Oh,
1: yeah. I, I don't... I guess that would be an external... Not really a cybernetic enhancement or implant, but just it's a breathing apparatus, isn't
0: it? Barzans, uh, are they called Barzans? Barzans from Barzan? Anyway, Barzans uh, <clears throat> have to breathe a slightly different air mixture than we do. So mm-hmm. that stuff is just pumping some extra chemicals into the air so they can breathe it.
1: Okay. Yeah, so are they a species that we saw... Oh, you don't like Enterprise, so you would. So know.
0: we actually we haven't seen them we haven't seen them yet. So this is the earliest chronological appearance of the Barzans. Uh, the the appearance of the Barzans previously was in the twenty fourth century. We saw them aboard the uh, the Big D NCC seventeen oh one Big D, um, and uh, they were involved in some negotiations. I believe the episode was called The Price. It was with Devon A. Rawl, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that was the one where there was a wormhole that people were wagering about, and oh, then yeah, the Feringi okay. But the it turned out that the far end of the wormhole was unstable, and mm-hmm. it ended up stranding some Ferengi.
1: That's right. Far so we only the saw stars. them on their own planet, so they didn't need the breathing devices on their own planet.
0: So we actually didn't see them on their planet. Oh, we we actually oh, no. We only saw them on the Starship Enterprise. We, oh, we may didn't? have seen. We actually may have seen uh, one of them. I feel like there may have been one on the view screen. Um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, from was it Premier Bavani? Is that hold on? Uh, now I'm gonna now I have to find the memory.
2: Alpha.
0: <laughs> I, um, I wonder. I'm. I'm. I am curious about how good my memory is, though, because that could be indeed Premier Bavani of because I do know it's definitely Devon on a. roll because I remember Devonante a roll very well for some reason. Um,
1: and here we see the uh, meanwhile here we see the uh, reinsurgence of the uh, uh, brainiac logo in in her eye reminding us that she has been infected by section 31 or the orb or
0: yeah so we don't know what it is yet but we learn I think through the episode that it is control. So it okay. is it's, it is Premier Pavani. I'm so proud of myself. She had her two, nego- and she had two other negotiations with her Mendoza and Devonani was who was a quote unquote human representing Cruzalians, who actually turned out to be a front and ass betazoid who was using his uh-huh. gifts on everybody. And he probably yeah. tried to rape Troy in her sleep to... and stuff, you know, because that's what everybody <laughs> tries to do. Everybody's <laughs> yeah, ready to rape always... Troy in her sleep.
1: Yeah, that's what they all try to do.
0: Every telepathic person is just like, I'm going to find Commander Troy. I'm going to rape her in her sleep. Make <laughs> her spill them poker chips.
1: <laughs> they, they even, they even, oh, yeah, there you go. Um, they even. Uh, oh,
0: baby, you poker chips the over there. You want to go bend over and pick them up real quick?
1: <laughs> How come you're talking like that and you like sound like you're checking her out?
0: Oh, me? Oh, no. I was just playing Devon Ani Roll for a moment. Oh, okay. Leaving me, Commander Downsiller, Downsiller Commander Troy's is not in my wheelhouse, is... Uh, have we, have we even discussed the episode yet? I feel like we just keep venturing off. So, uh, so Reese is, so like, like we said, like we said, yeah, we did, we did start talking about it. So she was reviewing the memory files. There's a funny thing that happens, and, um, there's a sparring match that she's having with Reese in the ship's gym. You, do You know, I really enjoy, um, Reese's name for some reason.
1: Uh, just because it reminds you of uh, Reese's, the uh, peanut butter company.
0: Well, it's one of those Reese's that's not spelled like that, though. It's like uh, John <laughs> John Reese Davies. So you know, for the long time, longest time, the guy from Sliders. Oh, by the way, Sliders, if that's on your uh, your bingo card for this day, make sure you mark <laughs> it. On. Um, John Reese Davis uh, from uh, or Davies Davies. I'm not sure from uh, Sliders. His name is spelled like that as well. And for the longest time, I was calling him John Rice Davies because that's what I thought his name was. And then,
1: <laughs> well, isn't then that it, the same guy from Indiana Jones and that played uh, the dwarf on uh, Lord of the Rings?
0: Did he play one of the dwarves? Oh, he did play the dwarf, the dwarf guy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, Lord of the Rings has a has a good uh, fallout. You know, well, uh, and and because all the, the hobbits names... have gone somewhere else to somewhere. I'm like, yeah. so please go ahead.
1: Well, the the names of all the characters are for me hard to separate sometimes, and I wanted to say Gimli, Gimli but then I'm picking sure. and, and, and,
0: You could um, have called him Treebeard also.
1: <laughs> well, no, because he's certainly not a dwarf. But, anyway.
0: No, he was um, the voice of Treebeard.
1: So, a segue from, I mean. uh... The Kobayashi Maru. Back to the episode, if you. Oh want. yeah,
0: we. I thought we segued already, and we were all well, the way we, back. We, we were all. the we were we talking, talking about, about and Where Ariam come from? Yes, yeah, sir. She's yeah. on Android, though. Don't call her an Android. Don't call her to come back because androids are not here for years. <laughs> uh well, I beg to
1: differ. soon type androids are oh, not. Oh, that be is here for
0: true years. because there are those mud type androids.
1: Well, there's. So They're coming along soon. That those and then there's um. Uh, rock, the giant guy, he was an android. All the people on that planet I were, thought, were I thought
0: he was... Aren't they mud-type androids, the, the Rock ones? No. 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 Oh, okay. There's
1: an, uh, another unexplained android. But what I was going to segue into is if you uh, bring up your episode, we can watch it together. I don't know how much of the sound bite we can put in, but um, probably, bring it up uh, to about... None. <laughs> probably none. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So I don't hold on. So I, I gotta. So I'm on. I'm on a different computer today. I don't know if you're guys. Let me know if this is the uh, if this is the uh, the best computer I should be using for this because uh, I don't know how the quality of the, all the previous ones have been on uh, on the other computer. So so it turns out that the computer I regularly uh, use for this uh, this task of creating this podcast is um, the Ethernet port doesn't work on it. Isn't hmm. it the worst? Yeah, uh, I remember the day I got stuck. It got stuck in, like a, a cord got stuck in it, and I like jiggle, 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 push, push, pull, push, pull, and finally oh, got baby. the cord out of it. Butter, um, uh yeah, I think that may have that may have damaged the the damn thing forever. I'm sorry. Well, you know, it's not your well, fault. Well, you
1: could always, um, I mean, if you wanted to get into, uh, some computer surgery, you could probably relate, replace that port.
0: Yeah, for sure. I can definitely replace completely it.
1: completely replace the whole computer.
0: Yeah, I have the uh, the Dell site where it where it is. I um, you forgive, forgive me. I'm trying to get to um. Oh, there it is. Star Trek Discovery. Is that the show that we're talking about?
1: I think so. If <laughs> memory cool. serves.
0: If memory serves, <laughs> we are one episode past. If memory serves. Dude, <laughs> you know this interface cbs that you've designed i gotta yeah. tell you whether you're on the internet or whether you're on a fire device or whether you're wherever you are it, it leaves a little bit a little bit to be desired the cbs app yeah the cbs app
2: yeah
0: it's, uh, y'all it's not because I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's some trash it's not some trash it's not awful and i do see no. that they're can like constantly kind of constantly making like small improvements on it so i've, I've been given that
1: so the the admiral and Christopher and Captain Pike are about to have a conversation about section 31. Why are they there? Where do they come from? And then the Admiral says some things about, uh, Mine? things that, yeah, there's just some lines that rub the captain the wrong way. And he explains exactly why they can't just forget about their, uh, ethics or their laurels and um okay
0: so let's uh let me see I'm gonna, I'm gonna get there okay thinking without a difference he says that's that's do you know what i'm talking about what's that well so they pull in and there's a bunch of mines there and saru's like yes the federation does not allow the use of mines and then uh pikes like hey they we're not allowed to use mines and cornwall says well, we didn't we didn't build them and then he's like well that distinction without a difference yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so. Giving up our
1: values in the name. Core values. Okay, right there.
0: That's giving up our battles in the name of security is to lose the battle in advance.
1: It, there, that's where that's his line right there is where I kind of disagree with what you were saying about picking uh cho- let letting the uh, Kobayashi Maru test.
0: I, I 100% uh, agree with you, but I also don't necessarily always believe in starfleet. Because starfleet sometimes is not starfleet.
1: Okay, yeah. Well, and we're finding that out in uh in a way in another show that I'll try not to do sure, a crossover. Sure.
0: <laughs> yeah. So so yeah. So I'm on that, right? But I'm also on like the again. I'm going to go back to the to the Bajoran War, uh-huh. and the Dominion War, and the resettlement of its people. And I'm also going to go back to like the Romulan War.
1: The the, Ro- the
0: and I'm going to go back to like it was
1: its own internal affair.
0: It was not what the Bajoran War. Yeah. You mean the Bajoran Cardassian War? The yeah. The Bajoran. No no no. So that war. Should have been over, but we stuck our nose in and we established a presence. And then all of a sudden, the Cardassians had to have beef with us. And then we ended up having people on the wrong side of the lines when we drew the lines, and we abandoned some of our people. We
1: abandoned Federation citizens in Cardassian space. I see what you're talking about now. that—that's the Bajoran War. That's the Federation Cardassian
0: War. I mean, Bajoran. Really uh to me, because that because there like there was no war, okay? Like there was no Bajoran war. there was no Bajoran Cardassian war. There there was like the Cardassians well, came an in civil and war. It was not. Yeah, like Cardassian it was an insurgency. The Cardassians came in yeah. and they took over. They took that shit. Like they weren't yeah. they weren't fucking around. They came in and they took it. The, like the, the Bajorans the it wasn't fight back enough. And then later Poland. I don't know if they didn't have the equipment or whatever. Maybe they were being too spiritual and less practical. And the Cardassians were coming in and they were like, "Look, this is our shit now. You're gonna be our fucking slaves. So let's get it." <laughs> and they did it. They held that shit for like 60 years. And yeah. then the majorans want to fight back a little bit once all of the like all of the all of the like the minerals. And the nutrients and all the once they've stripped the planet yeah. of all its resources, yeah. then the Cardassians leave. And as the Cardassians are on their way out, then these bitches want to pick up rocks and sticks and stones and start throwing mines and bombs and stuff. So Cardassia was done with Bajor, but the Federation came in and but, happened but to the, find something the... of value. They happened to find one more resource, and they extended the and they, and they created a war that actually didn't didn't exist. So yeah, the Bajorians were never really at war. The Federation just decided to be at war for them because of wormhole. So that was all about commerce. because they wanted to go to the other side of the galaxy.
1: Wait a minute. I think you and I are thinking about two different things about the similar subjects. Sure. I'm, what, I'm thinking when you when you say the Bajoran War, I think I'm thinking of um, pre-federation, the Bajorans fighting back to to get the Cardassians off their planet. Their little. Uh, um, Internal affairs civil war.
0: You yeah, know? that's a that's an insurgency. That's that's a, that was the Bajoran yeah. insurgency. There was no war. And the Cardassians well, weren't fighting back. If the Cardassians wanted to hold Bajor, themselves. if the Cardassians wanted to hold Bajor, they could have held Bajor. They didn't want it anymore.
1: Then what is what is all Kira what's Kirat all proud about in fighting exactly and my point her terrorism?
0: Exactly my point. Because the majority, so
1: everything that Kira fought for was nothing.
0: Was yeah, they, nothing. They delude themselves into thinking that they won their planet back. They didn't win their planet back. If they had won their planet back, they would they would have all the resources and they wouldn't need the Federation at all.
2: But well, they the invited maybe.
0: the Federation. The Federation was asked to come in there, and yeah, of course the Federation would be like, "Yeah, the- oh, more territory, let's get it."
1: They didn't invite the Federation until they needed help taking care of Deep Space Nine, and
0: and why did re- they need help taking care of that? Because they didn't have shit. Because the Cardassians <laughs> took everything. Okay. They didn't even have enough people. Like, like what were they doing? Like, I'm not mad at the Bajorans. It sounds like I'm mad at the Bajorans. Like, maybe <laughs> yeah, should be mad. At the sounds Vajorans.
1: like you're mad.
0: I know, but like, the, as angry as they are, they're kind of impotent. Like if so, you if you were faced with a Cardassian ship or a Bajoran ship that was gonna like had his had his phasers locked on you and was ready to blow you out of the sky, which one would you be afraid of?
1: I, does does Bajor even have a fleet? <laughs>
0: he tried it, likes to. <laughs> uh it's all that's, civilian ships. <laughs> yeah, so all, like that's they all the have thing. little
1: uh Marquee Maquis fighters.
0: Like yeah, so the yeah, those peregrin peregrine fighters, uh, which by the way, those are Federation issue. Yep. Those are not Bajoran, those are yeah. the, the ones no, that the yeah, yeah, the Maquis ones, yeah, that were left they, on they, the wrong side of the lines. Like we that was our extra shit. <laughs> <laughs> we just um, like left some extra the, shit behind and they're like the Bajorans, throwing it at us. The fuck?
1: The Bajorans do have a fleet. They're all those smooth, sleek little um dodo ships.
0: And they're all those fucking things with the big ass sales. <laughs> <laughs> well,
1: yeah, the big sale things. And that's one thing that Bajorans had before anybody else was faster than light travel and yeah
0: so like the wormhole aliens have been holding bejor back like real bad (laughs) like they were doing so much spiritual shit that they couldn't get out and like make a ship they couldn't get out and mine the resources themselves they couldn't get out and like find the wormhole that was in their backyard well they they... for like tens of thousands of years and they kept finding tears of the product they kept finding pieces of the wormhole and they couldn't well, follow like Hansel and Gretel back to the damn witch's house and be like, look, witch, stop <laughs> fucking with our entire civilization. I know you live outside of time, but we want to move forward in time because we've been sitting around for like six billion years and we're just getting on our feet and we don't even have spaceships yet. And everybody else is zooming around here and <laughs> trying to take all of our shit. Leave us the fuck alone so we can live normal, linear time.
1: Well, except they did show that um, there's been at least a few Bajorans that actually did enter the wormhole. They didn't come out the other side, but when they returned, there was an episode where a Bajoran returned from the Bajoran wormhole after Cisco, and he claimed to be the actual emissary. emissary.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But
1: then they realized, no, he's not the emissary because if he was, they would have released him before Cisco went in there and they wouldn't have returned. They wouldn't have had the Cisco.
0: Yeah, and plus, like, well, never mind. I was about to go into some book stuff. But some book, some some book, some book stuff. So like some some book oh, stuff yeah. basically says that like stuff. Cisco came out of there in the first place. Well, actually no. Some 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 well, uh, some some canon that, that stuff kind of says yeah. that because like yeah. his mom apparently came from in there. So like we know yeah. that he came from in there because like that's how he got here in the first place. It was all a big circle. It was all a big circle. And you <laughs> like that's least... all they do. Those wormhole aliens should be blown out of that motherfucking alien wormhole. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're doing too much like they're in there and they're fucking with people and they they held down they really did hold down a civilization for a long time and like that's why Cardassia was able to roll in there because they were too busy with their heads down pointed towards the sun and like saying prayers in bala like to look up and notice hey these card these, these giant lizard people are coming in and they're taking over like they don't have any weapons against them. If the wormhole aliens had really been for Bajor, (laughs) and wanted Bajor for Bajorans, they would have said, hey, Bajor, here's some stuff that we found from some people who stumbled in here, and if you make a bunch of these, I bet you will like win some wars that are coming because somebody's trying to come and then are trying to take all your shit. And look, <laughs> if you want to keep all your shit, you just make some guns, make some weapons, and make some ships and keep them away because otherwise they're going to hold your asses down for like 60 years. And then once you're done fighting back after they've taken all the resources, then you're all going to be tired and you're all going to be angry and people are going to be coming around making racial slurs like, have you ever served with a Bajoran woman before? Oh, Brian, how dare you? Why would he ever say that? That's the most racist ass shit. That I've ever heard O'Brien say in my life, and I've heard O'Brien say some racist ass shit. But the first thing he says to Cisco is, "Have you ever served with a Bajoran female? Are you kidding me?" <laughs> she heard, they should all, all they're, the Bajorans they're, they're, should they're... line up and slap the shit out of O'Brien. Just like okay, so that's just along the lines of Harry Kim coming along to Quark and being like. We, we were warned about your entire alien species while we were at the academy. Yeah, Cork should have dogged the shit out of fucking Kim for saying that bullshit. Slurs about my people at the academy. How dare you? No, knock that nigga out. What the fuck is he talking about? <laughs> well, when I went to college, they told me to stay away from brown people with big ears. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> what the fuck? they away from the little brown people with the big ears. They're going to take all your money. Are you kidding me? Kim. Take the clear nut and, uh, and shove it up your asshole. Fuck out of here. I think we need to stop. <laughs> do we? We'll be I right back after do. these messages. So, welcome back to the Tangent Show.
1: <laughs> yeah, the Tangent <laughs> uh, Show um,
0: with your with your with your friends, Jack Dorino. That's me, and uh,
1: I'm Earl Grey.
0: Yeah, that's that's who he is. Uh, we. Uh, I am going to not apologize, apologize, here's my, or, or apologies, either way, apologies, because I'm actually going to apologies on everybody, oh, so, geez. you know what, I, you know, so I got off tangent, and I was talking about, you know, something that was not related from a TV show from, like, 30 years ago, and got kind of, like, you know, passionate about it, apologies, <laughs> okay, so, um, you know, I, I do I do like the part that you mentioned uh, just now with the conversation between uh, Cornwall and Pike, and that actually brings to mind, like, just after that, um, he asks her, well, why? Like, is that why we got left out of the war? And she's like, no, it's because, you know, you stayed out of the war so that if, you know, something happened with Klingons, that the best of Star League would survive. So that, for some reason, brings me all the way back again to the Kobayashi-Ruru thing. Like... So they know what kind of captain he is, and they know what kind of captains they're keeping for the war, right? So mm-hmm. I I wonder what the outcome of everybody's Kobayashi Maru tests are, and if his is different oh, than okay. the other people that they kept.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and and uh, during the break you were uh, making a couple comments about a couple of uh, perceived ists of Starfleet.
0: Are we allowed mm-hmm. to talk during the break? And we told them that we talked during the break.
1: Well, every show does. You can see that on on, on a <laughs> any live show. They oh. they cut to the commercial and they're they're sitting there oh, talking yeah. as the cam- cameras pan you know panning away. And you're like, well, what are they talking about now?
0: Really? Yeah, you I'm know? always very curious about that. Like, what are you guys saying? And do they say like these idiots are stupid watching this dumb show? Yeah, like I'm not like anybody to watch on TV.
1: <laughs> no yeah. Idea. So, but anyway, you had said something about various ists, and by ists I mean the various racist or sexist or ageist sure. those kind of ists. Yeah, and um, that that there are, and it I, it reminds me that Starfleet is a show written by the flawed. Starfleet is people. not a show.
0: I just wanted to know Starfleet's not a Star-
1: show. start. Star Trek Starfleet
0: is real, and it's a, an organization <laughs> of which I am a part. And Star Trek is a television show, and the producers open a rift in the universes, and they watch what really happened in the universe where Starfleet exists, and they send it to me so that I know, so that when the time comes, they can bring me back into the universe where I'm from, and I can be a Starship captain. <laughs> but no, Starfleet is not a show.
1: Star, Star Trek is a show. Yes, yes. It is. That is written and created by flawed people.
0: No, it's not. It is a, it's a guide to the real universe. <laughs> What are you talking about You're don't good. yuck my yum don't tell me santa claus is not real by the way santa claus is real everyone just so I we mean, just so we're clear santa claus is a real guy starfleet is real we are starfleet i'm sorry I, I cut you off horribly. please continue you can't play silent treatment on a podcast <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm trying to catch my
2: breath because...
0: <laughs> oh, so there was another one. This was an ageism that I actually experienced while watching Star Trek and the Next Generation, and felt badly about it. It was in the episode Tapestry when uh, Picard comes back into a blue uniform at a much lower rank, and I was like, oh, my God, that poor thing. He's at such a lower rank, and he's so old, and oh, my gosh, I hadn't realized until just a moment ago that I was being really ageist when I said that, when I thought that, felt that, or whatever.
1: So Star Trek as a show is created and written by and produced by flawed people in a flawed 20th and 21st 20th century. Um, and sometimes our m- modern 20th and 21st century uh, perspectives get into it. And sometimes maybe they put those things in there just to remind us that even in 400 years, we still make mistakes as we're, we're only human and we still make mistakes sometimes and immediate, almost every single time when they've made those mistakes in the show they've immediately somebody else has come forward and said they've stood up for that wrongness and we should learn about we should learn from those things today instead of ignoring those wrongnesses and looking the other way we should stand up for our fellow human beings.
0: Fair point.
1: I kind of had two different things go off on two different tangents at the same moment, so I can't decide which one to talk about.
0: Well, but... pick one and, and go with it. Go with the first one that you thought of. But
1: About the flawed fallen universe of the 20, 20th and 21st century?
0: I don't know. Keep...
1: I don't know. Please where to. Oh, you want me to keep? I see. You want me to keep on going because, uh, you want me to fill dead air because for
0: no, no, I don't. I'm just waiting for you to figure out what you're talking about. I'm gonna cut this part out where you're figuring it out, and <laughs> I'm waiting for you to talk because. <laughs>
1: I <laughs> I just
0: go in a direction. Pick a direction and go. I
1: can't. I can't make up my mind now. I'm kind of flustered.
0: What are your two? What are your two directions?
1: Well, one is our flawed modern personality. And the other one is uh, the potential to be flawed, still in three or 400 years.
0: Well, so let me if I can, I'm going to hop in in the middle of your decision making. And I'm going to hop in, I'm going to say, are we really that short sighted to think that we can't envision a future where we don't, you know, engender emotional harms against one another with our words? like is there a, is there a future where we don't do that so you're saying
1: that we we may still do that in 400 years no i'm but... saying like
0: it wouldn't it be better if we could envision a future if we could present a star trek where people don't make racial slurs where people don't make you know sexist summations where people don't you know have racial biases mm. but we we can't thus far we haven't envisioned a star trek that does not include racial biases because that's like a lot of the point of star trek are the racial biases like we mm-hmm. see klingons as different and they act quote unquote differently so yeah that, that they're in the conflict lies like that the Cardassians, uh, i've had a thing with the bajorans like it wasn't like humans on humans and humans you know like it was the Cardassians are this way and yeah. the, just like it, it's just like the vulcans well. all having the same fracking haircut like how <laughs> racist as fuck short-sighted is that to think that an entire planet full of people are all gonna are, are all gonna have so little imagination that they're all gonna have the same God's damn bowl cut like that's ridiculous <laughs> and then their far flung neighbors their far flung cousins from five thousand years hence uh, you know were separated by like parsecs and parsecs of space and you know in a whole Wait, another really damn star years? system just five thousand years ago that that Sorak like, started Romulus? teaching. Yeah, Storak started teaching logic, and then uh, Satask left with the Romulans.
1: Oh, I didn't know it was that long ago. Yeah,
0: it was that far of a split off ago. Um, That's why the Vulcans are so much more advanced than the humans, that, like, they had ships and they were up and running warp speed when we were still, like, trying to figure out how to, like, make shoes to put on to not mess up our feet.
1: Well, we don't know that. For all we know, the Romulans left in sleeper ships.
0: Well, they left 5,000 years ago. Huh? Yeah, the point is they left five thousand years five thousand years ago from the next generation. So five thousand years okay. ago from then, from, from, from the twenty fourth century, the Vulcans had space flight. They had some form of flight space so flight, Five, 5 thousand years before the twenty fourth century they yeah. had space flight. Okay. Five thousand years before the twenty fourth century, what did we have?
1: Uh rocks and sticks.
0: Yeah, man. So that's what I'm saying. We like they're might, I, I'm not thousand they sure the years. Wheel. Yeah, they have at least five thousand years on us.
1: So that would have been three thousand BC. Yeah, we had the wheel in three thousand BC, I think. Sure,
0: but check it. Like, so we think that in all this time, they haven't figured out another damn ass haircut, no. for real. Well, maybe that all this time is just the most we made up a wheel. Features. We made up rockets. So we made super colliders. <laughs> we made warp engines. We made transporters. We made bathtubs. We made toilets. And we they couldn't think of another haircut. <laughs> Come on now.
1: Well, maybe they just thought of that as the most logical haircut. The other – actually, one How thing – How is it
0: logical to... that everybody looks the same? How are you going to tell one person from the other from behind <laughs> or in a crowd? Or maybe they don't do crowds because they know better than to engender pandemics. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's too on the nose for right for today. Our show is uh-huh. going to be aged very easily oh
0: i don't know not if quote not if these new variants keep us locked up (laughs) and we have that songbird thing where it's like we have covid 23 happening in a couple years and we're all like learning how to live (laughs) inside our house only have
1: you you, you've probably read or seen an iteration of the time machine by hg wells right
0: sure sure sure
1: and you know how however many thousands of years in the future it, within that universe humans have split into two different races the yeah. you know, above ground people and the below ground people
0: in the slee stacks okay I, I don't think they're really sleigh stacks i think it's really i think that's the creature's <laughs> from the land the lost hey, please, oh, if okay land of the lost on your bingo guard
1: maybe that's how it gets started it's like during the our, today's pandemic you have the people that still kind of say, okay, well, it's been a year since we got started. Maybe we should just let this thing happen and let it become endemic instead of pandemic and stop wearing masks, but, and they stay on the surface. Whereas the other branches saying, oh, well, we're still going to hide away in our apartment and instead, and we're going to take it even further than hiding away at our home, staying home all the time and wearing masks all the time. We're going to tunnel underground.
0: Well, you know, both of those people are stupid because people who are hiding underground are still gonna transmit it to each other. And the people who are <laughs> above ground are gonna, are gonna still tax the hospital systems so much that the endemic <laughs> is gonna become pandemic because we don't have enough damn ventilators to keep people from dying. How about we build some fracking ventilators? Anybody ever heard of that? Can I get a replicator? Just one, just one industrial replicator. Deep Space Nine could tell with this pandemic real quick. Everybody had their own ventilator. Entire station full of people. Kaiopaka too. Even Vedic win. <laughs> Maybe not Vedic win.
1: No, she just I yeah. It. I was gonna say she doesn't.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: so there's a uh, so there's a scene right after this, right? Uh, right after these these big. Big badass, you know. Starfleet is speeches on the bridge. There's a there's a little yes. scene uh, with uh, with with Mb, our, our girl Mb, and her little bro spot. They're in her boudoir and she pulls out this 3D chess <laughs> set that is dope. Like I want this 3D chess set. It's like all clear acrylic and it's like there's screws holding the the, the levels together and holding the 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 blue pieces and you know the blue um maps of the board in between the acrylic. It's pretty dope. It's pretty well put together thing. And another thing I note about the scene is not only just like Gershon Phillips has done like incredible uh needlework with like all of the costuming in the scene, like Spock's thing that he's wearing is uh and then um Spock seems really angry in this scene. Hmm. Like he's like he's spinning his words through his teeth at Michael.
1: Well there's apparently been some sibling rivalry when they were younger
0: is he supposed to be pretending like he's not emotional or is he he's just giving it up at this point which i guess is the end the point of that scene is like he just wants to feel everything he's like i feel it and and i'm fucking mad and i'm fucking mad about it and i'm happy about it it's great (laughs) it's great being mad
1: back paddle just a little bit
0: yeah let's do it
1: during the conversation on the bridge about you know the, the enterprise being the greatest crew and the best of starfleet they pan over to tilly and behind her is this big-headed
0: thing the the, the little insect thing right yeah yeah what like, is that what are those things i don't know what they are but they are a thing that yeah again so like i said they like to double down on this show. Like anything that annoys the crap out of me, they double down on it. So like, <laughs> when we came to the wormhole, there were like, there was we, so there was one right, and I was really annoyed by the one big ass head thing right, and then we got Jet Reno right, and Jet Reno had another one to bring aboard. Did you, did you notice that? Like we had one in the first Jet- season, and now there are two big old insectoid head ass people in this show. And that is the most... I don't know what the hell they are. I have no idea what they are at all.
1: Yeah, I don't remember that, but okay.
0: I do think that there's something that happens next season with that that thing. So I wonder if that's where Hannah Cheeseman is. <laughs> After Arium died, maybe they stuck Hannah Cheeseman in that thing. <laughs> They're like, here, now wear this big-ass thing. You won't have any lines, but girl, you'll be in every episode. You know, every time I see Reese... I don't even think of his name as Reese, Jen Reese. I always think Kwok Chun. I don't know why. No, I do know. I like that. That's the actor's name. That's the actor's last name. I'm always excited about seeing Kwok Chun. Kwok Chun is my one dog. Is Kwa, uh, is the uh, tactical officer, I guess. Weapons. He does weapons. He's off on the right. With the Spartanus of uh, Burnham's side of the room. <laughs> I don't know why I like it so much.
1: Whose side of the room had the hole in the blanket?
0: The whole oh yeah so that, that was probably not be Tilly yeah because because uh Burnham just has like the standard Starfleet issue stuff yeah is yeah, there okay. a hole in the blanket
1: not in the actual Starfleet blanket but she must have had like her childhood blanket with her on the ship oh too. the
0: little blue one at the base yeah oh yeah it is torn that's a good that's a good catch interesting yeah and Burnham's is just like completely empty because yeah. you know and she has to because Tilly has to have her own stuff because she's allergic to polyelastic poly, visco poly visco holly (laughs) boom. so she yeah whatever Burnham has a whole whole ass closet that like the 3d chessboard fits in perfectly and that's the only item that she had wait a minute did she steal that from his quarters on the enterprise i don't know didn't she wasn't there one didn't she go in the enterprise and like go in his quarters and there was one just like it and like there's very little stuff on her side of the room so why does she have a 3d chessboard she doesn't even have she where's philippa's Where's Philip's telescope? Shouldn't Philip's telescope she should be like on display somewhere down here? Or did she give it to saru I don't. know, I don't know. <laughs> But I tell you what, it's odd that she has that chessboard. Yeah. So right after that, we're in the we're in the non the first non and uh, area When okay, yes. first of all, let me call attention to the flippiness at the beginning of the scene. So there's a there's a little William Riker a uh, little signature there. You got Jonathan Frakes doing a little flippy do right.
2: Okay. As
0: we flip, we do around the little the the, the board that Arium's working on. Right? Oh, okay, so yeah. So this is not in the beginning of this scene. This is actually not Arium, right? It's uh, control, right? Or like some something is some whatever's taking over her. Because yeah, the
1: whatever computer virus is in her yeah. head.
0: It's definitely addressing non, like it's trying to fake and be somebody that it's not, right? So I see like what I see in non's eyes this whole time is like this bitch is about to pull something. i'm gonna have to kill her she's standing there when 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 ariam leaves and she's like oh let me watch this bitch because she's gonna try some shit. this hoe is up to something (laughs) but yeah like and she like follows her onto the bridge like um i'm gonna take my little ass skirt and we're gonna follow you is she wearing i have i just realized is non wearing a skirt and pants i don't know let me i do like how ariam tried to fight for herself for a minute she was like, please just stay right here until we figure this out because something's going on. Because Nan's like, hey, something's going on. I'm going to kill this bitch. And Ariam's like, uh, I think she's going to kill me because I think I'm doing something. Maybe I don't realize I'm doing. She is watching that Arium lady like a hawk. So
1: where do you see the skirt and the pants?
0: Uh, so there was a moment that uh, that Arium was uh, that they were sort of as they're switching oh right there i see it yeah oh no it's long boots is it it's boots
1: no wait hold on
0: boots go all the way up
1: i think she's wearing the uh short skirt of the original series yeah i never saw that i don't think i've ever seen that variant of the uniform i mean obviously i have i watched this episode but i don't think i've ever noticed that variant of the uniform it's certainly stiffer, more like a uniform type material and not as flowy, oh, say, Oh, uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. For sure.
1: I mean, it's more professional than Uhura's was. I mean, I've seen Uhura's underwear a couple times. Oh then- my
0: gosh. <laughs> the <are> material just- <laughs> on this uniform is very thick. Like that'll keep you warm. Yeah. That thing will make you sweat, I'm sure, if you're not careful. I also uh, learned like sometime pre-production that they ordered a particular dye to make it exactly the color they wanted it to be for the cameras. Okay. So it's some sort of like super navy darkish blue that doesn't come out as like <laughs> super navy darkish blue.
1: It's TARDIS blue.
0: Yeah, it's darker than TARDIS blue for sure. Yeah,
1: sure. I've never been able to figure out if they have any department division in their uniform other than the silver and the gray and uh, the gold. But
0: So there's a, there's actually a gold and a bronze and a silver.
1: Uh, there is a bronze
0: yeah yeah so the bronze is engineering
1: well i guess
0: some medical wear all white i think generally medical wears white which is sort of like the motion picture when uh mccoy comes back wearing a white uniform
1: white uniforms for medical first showed up in the kelvin timeline to my recollection i mean even uh dr crusher's uh lab coat is medical teal
0: the motion picture actually has an entirely different set of uniforms, like all yep. like all of their uniforms are different, right? Yeah. Um, and among those uniforms, including Kirk wearing basically a white front and Navy arms with gold uh, rings around his wrists is um, McCoy who's wearing white.
1: Well, but he changes after he start, he changes into one of those uh, light blue things after he actually joins the crew when mccoy first comes on board and he's still wearing his his beard because he was re- in retirement okay, this
0: is, is post beard
1: post beard he's still in that white
2: outfit
0: so the class a uniforms i'm going to give you a little uh message this little thing here.
1: oh you're right i see it now
0: yeah
1: i'm looking at a, a crew uh you
0: got that white He like, yeah. got like the white leisure suit on
1: yep 70s yep
0: and there's what's her name? Um, uh, Nurse reckon... Chapel. Is that no, Nurse Chapel? And it oh, is no, Nurse Chapel. Fun. No, I mean, well, I, the, is... one, the one, the the picture I'm looking at is Nurse Chapel because it's um Mrs. Roddenberry, Major Baron But there is another picture that's got a different nurse. I feel like there's another picture that's got a different nurse in it. But there is a Nurse Chapel in here. Yeah, so Star Trek One kind of throws a lot of things off as far as uniforms go. I think. Yeah. But those white, those white uniforms are pretty, pretty dope. Yeah. So I, there's the white for medical, that's... in discovery, and there's gold for command. Bronze is engineering, and uh, silver is science. Like, and they even have the different color badges. I'm, I'm not really sure. I get the purpose of for the, uh, for the half collar. There's like a full collar and a half collar, as if like we're between like are we leisure suits or are we next gen collar? Oh yeah. Like are we '70s or are we? you know, 90s, which which one are we doing? We're doing both of them sort of at the same time. Yeah, so apparently this breakdown from the from the movie was gray was operations, yellow and gold was operations and communications and helm and navigation, green was sciences, was medical, orange is research and technical, red is engineering maintenance, is white is command. So that's a whole crazy set of uniforms. Oh,
1: for the motion picture? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do kind of dig those uniforms for like real world uniforms. Some really so yeah yeah i do i do i kind of like them
1: i think other than enterprise i think i prefer uh the gray uniforms
0: oh you're talking about the ds9 uniforms
1: yes other than the nxl1 uniforms i prefer the deep space nine
0: uniforms. agreed yeah so those first contacts slash deep space nine uniforms are great i love them um i really want one yeah they can get one from a Novos for like 300 bucks or 500 bucks whichever the two the enterprise ones are so similar to the ones that i wore nearly every day in the navy like just <laughs> like overalls that i uh-huh. just feel like let's do something different
1: well they're supposed to be they're supposed to be closer to space uniforms and actual military uniforms of our time period you yeah
0: know? Those, things are, those things are definitely super contemporary
1: yeah i mean they they look like the the uniforms they wear on the international space station
0: after we go through this little minefield, I did I did like the teamwork that happens. You know, when everybody's picking different uh, maneuvers to get through this mm-hmm. little minefield, I do appreciate that. Um, and I appreciate yeah. like the calling out to everybody and everybody helping along the way. Mm-hmm. I'm always craving more bridge bridge. You know, crew. I always want to see more Reese. I always want there to be more Ronnie Rowe. I can't ever remember his character's name alton bryce the third mm-hmm. you know so bryce and reese and Owosakun and uh kayla and detmer like, i always want to see more of them and i always that that's why i like um i can't say anymore because i'm gonna spoil something but okay goodbye. eventually we do get a little bit more insight into some of them which is which is pretty dope um i, I definitely remember being thirsty for more like who are these people who are these people <laughs> right so getting a little bit along the way from them was cool seeing their reactions etc um and then of course we get to and then we of course we get to like right after we make it to this uh section 31 uh the to control we're actually the end is the beginning so like we've palindromed this entire episode of the show Earl Mm -hmm. you notice that like so now we've actually talked ourselves back to the beginning of this episode
1: Uh
0: and the way that it ends is so devastating because that's right when we lose um that's right when we lose Arium, mm-hmm. and then she drops us the nugget about Project Daedalus at the same time. Because before the question can be answered, what's Project Daedalus, Non makes that choice. She saw that she had to make a couple scenes ago. It was like, I'm going to have to kill this bitch. And guess what? <laughs> oh, okay. She had to kill that bitch. <laughs>
1: uh-huh.
0: You would think, though, that something as smart as control would have the imagination mm-hmm. to put the heat signature in the security videos. Like, why would it not show the heat layer? Why would it not be smart enough to cater itself to Saru's vision? It knows Saru's there, right? right? Or like somebody I don't, with-
1: I don't know. Are you saying that you think that Saru sees in heat vision?
0: Well, no, that's part of the, that's, that's part of the range that he sees, but he could see in the video that something was missing that we couldn't see and they had to like peel back the video and put different layers for the humans to be able to see it
1: hmm you know that's that's a good question i'd have to re-review the whole episode later tonight after our episode maybe we could uh discuss that amongst ourselves perhaps but we seem to have touched most of the bases on this episode we opened up with talking about the end of the episode and Michael Burnham having to make a uh, Kobayashi Maru type test. Not making type. that
0: decision at all, yeah.
1: <laughs> I guess, yeah. We've discussed, you know, the security lady making that decision on her own and noticing that she seems kind of odd at some in, in some instances and watching her like a hawk. We discussed her wonderful uh, squirt uh, outfit.
0: Well, you know what? I think we've uh, I think we've done the whole thing. Have we hit? The, I think we've hit the entire episode this time.
1: I guess we touched a little bit on everything.
0: So let's let's try to let's pull together an ending for this episode.
1: <laughs> how about we just uh, fade to? How about we just both start cackling like hyenas and fade to black on yeah,
0: that? So I guess that could just be the end of the episode. That. You do it that way. I guess that would work. Because I mean, we did, we did it all. We did our job. We had one job. We came, we did it, and it's we done. Say,
2: we came. We saw it.
1: We kicked its ass.
0: Beanie Biddy kicked its ass. <laughs> nice folks. We'll see you next episode for Star Trek Discovery season two, episode ten. I'm 10? not going to tell you the title right now. Hey, double digits. Right then. Fine.
1: All right. Take
0: care. Support take the continued care. making of this show through Patreon.com. Let's Talk About Trex is a production of Anodyne Relay supported by the Star Trek fan community of listeners like you. We review the copyrighted works of Paramount CBS's Star Trek team, of whom no copyright infringement is intended. You can reach us via email at email at Let'STalKoutTracks.com. You can leave us a message at area code 202-804-6312. Our producer is David Moody, and our writers, Jack and Earl, are on Twitter as And would greatly appreciate the obligatory like and subscribe from wherever you're listening now. We record on Lenovo computers with Zoom, mix with NCH Mixpad, and master with Kako's Reaper. Our intro, outro, and interstitial musics feature samples from Awakening by Waterboy from Pixabay.
1: So, my idea was is that maybe as a small segment of our show, we could reach out and talk about real-life, modern, current space news. Either from NASA or the various companies that uh, are starting to explore and launch rockets on their own, like SpaceX or um, uh, Deep is it deep
0: blue yeah man yeah man i totally so i like it so like i think we should uh, you could we could do like one one science one science one's real science story a day i think that'd be pretty dope and i think that uh it needs its own little like its own little um what you call it like its own little theme song you know what i'm saying
1: segment title or something yeah they're
0: like, like 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 and now it's time for sure. space <laughs> news real news Space news, real news. Space news, real news. Space news, real news. Hey, uh, space news, real news. Uh, space, news, real news. Uh, space news, real news. So I kept going for a long time because Chris started dancing to my theme song. <laughs> so it just so happened that my my uh my partner Chris came in uh to have a little little side conversation with uh, one of our friends and um. And uh, when I started doing the theme song, he started dancing. And I think I'm just gonna, I'm gonna see if I can cut that and make it the theme song. So, so, so really, like, I, I think it'd be cool. Like, do like, uh, like a quick. Uh, Here's the most interesting thing I found today about science. You could do, wouldn't that be dope? Yeah. I'd like to hear it. Are we? Did, was there a thought train? Was there a train of thought that we had?
1: <laughs> yes, we were. I was gonna show you this segment. <laughs> I feel like and, I fell uh, off of
0: it. Did I fall off?
1: Uh, yeah, we fell off the tr- the the the. Discovery train
0: along. Oh, sure. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. So well, it was doing all those flippy turns, you know?
1: I don't know if in this episode we were ever on the train. We got right into the Kobayashi Maroon. We haven't stopped.
0: Oh, I agree with you. Uh, Paramount, has, uh, CBS.com has a new Paramount Plus. So CBS L access becomes Paramount Plus on March 4th. Uh, I'm sure that's old news.